February 16th, two male teenagers were shot at Clinton College in Rock Hill just before 1 a.m. The shooter is believed to have entered through a different entrance, which resulted in the two teens being shot. The investigation is still ongoing, and thankfully there were no fatalities. Melissa Reeves is a psychology professor here at Winthrop, whose areas of expertise include school crisis prevention and intervention, establishing safe learning environments, and the impact of trauma on academic achievement. The Palmetto Report's Ellie Marindon speaks with Reeves about prevention and education. So the shooting at Clinton College, February 16th, we discussed how there were parents and men at the door patting those down and going through purses to keep it safe. So if you could give some advice possibly to the several many parents out there who want to let their kids have fun but also keep them safe, what kind of like environment would you say they could create? to help construct that. Well, it sounds like these parents were trying to do that. I mean, that's kind of the challenge. I think one of the things is to be very careful with who you put on the invite list Mm -hmm. um, and just making sure that those that are invited and are allowed to come through the main doors, I mean, obviously are those that you want to have there. They did a good job, it sounds like, of trying to search people and search purses. But what they might not have realized is that when you're in a gym, there's multiple entrances and exits. So even though you may have one, what ends up happening, and this is human nature, someone hears a knock or someone says, hey, let me in that back door. Someone opens the door, lets them in, and then you never know when someone else potentially uninvited is going to sneak in behind them. So from a physical safety perspective, um, it's it's putting monitors at every single door. Um, you know, not that you want to go overboard, but it also might be that if you know that there could be some people potentially trying to get into the party you don't want there, that when they come through the front door, you have some sort of, whether it's a lanyard you give them or some sort of identification that says, I've been cleared and I'm supposed to be here. And that way, if someone tries to get through the door that, you know, doesn't have that, Or they snuck through a door, they're now in the party, you see they're not wearing the appropriate identification, then you need to have things in place to be able to do that. Um, The other piece too is if you predict there could potentially be trouble, but you can't always do that. I mean, that's the challenge is it's an extra expense, but hiring, you know, um, uniformed police officers or, you know, police officers that that work on the side that provide party security. Mm -hmm. Um, But... The realities are it is difficult to 100% ensure absolute safety. Absolutely. So, yeah, you want to be careful on the front end with the invite list. Make sure you're monitoring all doors and then possibly some identification could be helpful. But it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, maybe, like, even the stamp idea, too. Like, you know how a lot of places, like, Mm -hmm. and bars in generally, but even just for kids underage, I feel like it would make sense just so they had that simple idea, like you said. Well, with Clinton College only being about three miles from here, obviously that's a bit uneasy um, when something like this happens. Mm-hmm. So what do, would you say that Winthrop should be doing to aid in crisis prevention and intervention here on campus? Um, continuing to educate students and faculty members just on how to be aware of your surroundings mm-hmm. um, and also how to be aware of if you're seeing someone that's acting a little bit different. If you're seeing someone that appears to be, you know, having a big bulge coming out of, out of the clothes, mm-hmm. you know, training them that if you 
listen to your gut. If something doesn't feel right, or you're looking at someone going, it doesn't seem like they really belong here. What are the mechanisms to report that? So Mm -hmm. you can make sure that you can do that. So I think just continuing to educate students and staff on be vigilant of your surroundings, listen to your gut. If it's telling you something doesn't feel right. And how do you get help if there is a concern? How do you go about doing that? So going off of that, using your gut and listening to it, there is some research that does indicate that there isn't an accurate profile of students who may engage in targeted school Mm -hmm. violence. There are many psychological trends that have been found, such as like the attacker maybe feeling bullied or like persecuted Mm -hmm. prior. What would you say to that? Would would you agree or? Yeah, there is no there is no profile. So while there are common indicators, Mm -hmm. like many of them have grievances, many of them are experiencing stressors. Um, They have little coping strategies to deal with stress or adversity or disappointment or rejection. Mm -hmm. Many of them have come from environments that have been you know have had some significant stressors. For as many commonalities as we know, there's also just as many differences Become because some have struggled academically, others have not. Some were loners, others were not. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the bottom line is, yeah, how do we recognize some of those indicators that says someone is starting to escalate um, or things within their life are decompensating? They're starting to get more angry. You know, what are some of those changes that we can notice to say, this individual needs help so we can be more proactive and intervene earlier on. That makes sense. That makes sense. So there's definitely some psychological aspects involved mm-hmm. for both the attacker and then those who are involved, like the victims, mm-hmm. whether there's fatalities or not, it's still a traumatic experience. Right. What would you say like some of those psychological aspects are that are in play? Yeah. Um, You mean if you're the victim of a crime like this? Correct. One of the huge pieces is it really impacts your sense of safety. Mm. Um, and so... There's no doubt that for a period of time until you're able to kind of work through the traumatic event, you're going to be more hypervigilant. You're going to be more scared. You're going to be more anxious, possibly um, depressed because, you know, you're too afraid to go out in public. But the good news is that trauma is treatable. So we've got a lot of really good, we kind of, we, we call it trauma focused therapies that if you can find a counselor or a therapist that specializes in trauma, there's some really good therapeutic interventions to help you work through the trauma. I hate the word get over it because I don't think you ever get over it. What you learn is how to integrate that experience into your life to where you're not nearly as fearful. Or if you start to become highly anxious or overwhelmed, you learn strategies for how to bring the anxiety down to a level that's manageable. So you can still continue to move forward in life and, and have a good life. That makes sense. So it's one of those management things. Absolutely. Pushing it aside. And yes, it exactly. So getting the right supports and interventions in place are real say, critical. What would you say are some of the impact effects of trauma exposure on a student, uh, directly on a student, like their mental capacity to be Yeah. Um, you know, what we know is trauma definitely impacts the brain. I mean, it impacts your ability to, um, to attend. Mm -hmm. It impacts your ability. It impacts memory. So we, what we kind of call like the trauma brain is you remember things in fragments. Um, you tend to be more hypervigilant to sounds and sensorial experiences. So for example, if you were exposed to some sort of a trauma and there was a louder noise associated with that, um, you and I are talking right now Mm -hmm. Um, if a loud noise happens, I might think nothing of it. I can continue to move on. You, that's going to be a trauma trigger. Mm-hmm. And now your body reacts. You're not able to focus on what we're saying. 
and you're not attending. You might look like you're listening to me, but your brain's really not doing that. So in addition to just some of the physiological effects of, you know, people see changes in eating habits and sleeping habits and those things. So, you know, so there is both the physical and the psychological impact that the trauma exposure can have, which then in an academic environment, it makes it more difficult to learn, which is why those trauma-focused therapies are so critical because the sooner you can get supports and how to work through the trauma, then you're going to be able to be more available for learning. Um, but we definitely know, especially without supports, there there's a negative trajectory without having the right supports after you've been exposed to a trauma. There's actually good positive trajectories or positive outcomes when you have the right supports in place and you can work through it. So yeah, so getting support and interventions is real critical. And that's how you can move through that like PTSD because mm-hmm. the, the PTSD is physical, emotional, and psychological. Yes. It hits all three. Yes. It? Yep. And there's many individuals that even if you've been exposed to a pretty traumatic event with the right supports early on, we might actually even be able to prevent PTSD. So you might still have trauma symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that's just part of, you know, how your body and your mind reacts when you've been through something like that. But you might be able to prevent it going into the more severe PTSD symptoms with supports early on. And that's really the goal of the trauma-focused therapies is let's prevent PTSD if we can. Or if they have it, then let's help them work through it so we can help mitigate some of those symptoms. That's interesting. To try to help it before it reaches that point. Yes. Or if it has reached that point, help them the best way right. possible. Right. Exactly. That makes sense. So what, what would you think is the best way for a school university to create or ensure a safe learning environment for not just students, but faculty as well? Yeah. Because it affects all on campus. Absolutely. So what we look at is it's called the balance between physical and psychological safety. So the physical safety piece is just making sure, you know, that your buildings are secure. There's monitoring and supervision and police presence. Everybody is watching out for everybody else. You know, you um, if you have a situation where you need to get to a safe place, you're able to lock the classroom doors. I mean, so the physical security is one aspect of that. You know, people walking on campus at night, if they're uncomfortable, they can call for a companion, you know, escort, that kind of thing. But then there's also the psychological safety. So what that is, is on the front end, let's build um, what we kind of call the social emotional aspect of things. So hopefully individuals don't want to do an act of violence. So how can we get in there and build a positive climate and culture on campus where everybody feels included? Mm. You know, how do we teach those awareness indicators that, again, if you see something, not only say something, but then do something? Um, You know, again, how do you pay attention to that gut piece? If you see individuals struggling early on with, you know, um, they're going through a tough time. They don't know how to cope. You're seeing them get more angry. Let's get in there with some mental health supports from the counseling mm-hmm. center and let's help them work through some of the challenges before they get to a point of wanting to harm themselves or harm somebody else. Um, and then I think too, Winthrop does um, a good job of this with, with faculty of us being engaged with students. And if we see a student who is struggling or they haven't shown up to class, Um, The university tells us, you know, reach out and then we know where to report if we feel like, okay, you know what, student still hasn't shown up, someone at the university needs to check up on them. There's a reporting mechanism for faculty to let the university know that and then they actually have people assigned to follow up with students and to reach out. 
And that was Melissa Reeves talking about the psychological effects of school shootings. I'm Ellie Marindin, and you're listening to the Palmetto Report.